The views and opinions expressed by guests on this program are not necessarily the views of Thinking Bigger Business Media, Inc. or its employees. Welcome to Smart Companies Thinking Bigger Radio. Get the inside scoop on how America's most successful business owners transform their entrepreneurial vision into reality. And listen in as some of the top business minds in the country serve up practical advice, tips, and insights for growing your business. Now here's your host, Kelly Scanlon. Good morning. Welcome to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. And we are continuing to bring on some of our winners from the 2016 Class of 25 Under 25 and in- introduce them to some of you who maybe didn't get a chance to come out and meet them and and learn about these fine business owners. And today we have Colleen and Jason Gerke from Jowler Creek Vineyard and Winery. And we just want to welcome you to the show and say congratulations again on the 25 Under 25 Award. Thanks for having us and oh. choosing us. We're thrilled to be part of it. Absolutely. And, of course, anything that has to do with wine, you're on my list. So <laughs> um, let's talk about uh, Jowler Creek. First of all, how did you guys get started? I mean, it's, it's hard enough, from what I know about wine, it's hard enough to start um, a vineyard in a place like California where you have a fairly mild climate, but with the extremes especially that we have here, why did you decide that becoming wine growers and makers was a really good idea? Well, I grew up in California, and okay. so it was all wineries around mm-hmm. where I grew up, and I went to Cal Poly and studied agriculture there, mm-hmm. and in college I could either take chemistry or winemaking as my science, uh-huh. and I was 20, so <laughs> I, I signed up for the free wine, yeah. <laughs> And then I met Jason, who grew up in central Missouri, and we lived in downtown Kansas City, um, Mm -hmm. and we started making wine in our basement in Waldo just for fun. And we both, since I grew up in the country and Jason grew up in the country, we started driving around the Weston area and Mm -hmm. fell in love with all the scenery. And so um, we found our house, and it was just in pasture land. There was nothing there. Sure, a lot of it up there. Yeah. And we drove up the driveway, and I thought, oh, my gosh, grapes would look so pretty growing along the driveway. And it could be kind of a hobby we do on the side when we get home from our day jobs. And so we kind of started planting vines, and it got completely out of control. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. And, you know, you said that you uh, went to college in California and studied winemaking. But you actually, if I remember right, you grew up in the... um, hometown where the movie Sideways yes, was filmed. Good so, memory. Yeah, so well I, I, I love that movie and so uh you you really experienced that renaissance, I guess, of California wines and putting California on the map as far as wine making goes. You experienced that firsthand. Yeah, definitely. I mean on weekends my parents they were teachers and so on weekends they'd go around wine tasting and mm-hmm. I'd play in the vineyards and play in the tasting room. So I kinda mm-hmm grew up doing Got that. Got right at home there. You feel right at home. Yeah. There. Yeah, exactly. So, and Jason, you have an agricultural background yourself. Is that right? Yeah, I like to describe myself as a more traditional Missouri farm boy, cows and corn. And mm-hmm. so I grew up not knowing much about wine at all. You know, beer drinking farm boys, sure. if you will. Um, but once I met Colleen and um, with our shared interest in ag communications, that's how we met. And, uh, and also what drew her to Kansas City, uh, not just me. I like to, I'd like to think <laughs> I had something to do with it, but... Uh, 
certainly a great opportunity for her here. And um, but it was that interest in agriculture that we met actually at the Kansas City Zoo at a conference, and then uh, she ended up coming back. And it's beautiful in Santa Maria. It's 70 degrees year round, and I always joke with her friends that ask her, you know, why in the world would you move from beautiful Santa Maria? Kansas City, where mm-hmm. you have minus five in the winter and 105 in the summer, and I just smile and say, it must have been love because it sure wasn't money. <laughs> <laughs> well, and to try to grow, like I said before, trying to grow grapes in that kind of climate extreme, too, has to be so challenging. And in your own words, you know, you had um, a hobby that grew out of control, and here you have this full-fledged business on your hands. How did you come up with the name Jaller Creek? Well, the the original story of, of taking on the name is extremely exciting because we live near Jowler Creek mm-hmm. and we live on Jowler Creek Road, so we simply uh, borrowed the name okay. and we felt like Jowler Creek was a, a, a pretty name and was connected us to the land, um, and it sounded prettier than Gurky Wine, uh, <laughs> putting our family shield on the bottom, you know, the old tradition. Um, what's kind of interesting about it is when we a few years later after we'd gotten started, we actually found a, a history book. Um, a, a journal that a lawyer had kept from a century ago that they published and found out the origins of the name. It's the the name of the creek. And the landowner had uh, called, referred to it or called it Jowler's Creek Mm -hmm. after his beloved coon dog because, of course, uh, hunting the streams and creeks and Mm -hmm. stuff, apparently the jowls on the the hunting Ah, dog. Ah, okay. And so it was Jowler's Creek after his prized dog. And so we had already started the winery we had already chosen the raccoon logo mm-hmm. as our kind of our, our mascot if right. you will mm-hmm. and it was just we kind of felt like it was serendipity that we had chose the name or we chose that raccoon as our logo and turns out it was named after a, a coon dog. dog yeah well that is serendipity all right so you started with what about 250 norton vines in the spring yep, of 04 exactly. and now you have how many over 3,500 vines. 3,500. And you started with that uh, first varietal, the Norton grape, and then now you have four. Is that right? Or more than that? We grow three in our in our vineyard now. We grow the Norton, our state grape here in Missouri, mm-hmm. and we, then we grow Vignol and Traminette, both uh, hybrid white grapes that mm-hmm. we really enjoy drinking. Um, and then we buy from other local growers, so we use other varieties, but we buy them from other Missouri farmers. Sure. So you, And that's something I think that sometimes people don't realize is that uh, – Winemakers don't always use the grapes. You know, they don't always produce the grapes that are in their wine. So you do a mix. Some of them you grow yourself and some you buy. Right, yeah. Okay. We right. try and keep everything as local as we can. So, mm-hmm. like, we've even condensed, or convinced Jason's dad to to take out some cattle ground and put in vines. So really? So he grows Chamberson for us and Traumanette. Wow. Yep. Okay. Now you've got uh, green, a whole green program. And a lot of times when people think about green and agriculture, they just picture, you know, border collies running freely and so forth. But you really have um, a a big program. You have chickens and owls and bats that are all part of your, to tell us about this. Yeah. um, When we first moved out there, growing up in California, bats are really common in vineyards. Mm-hmm. You put up bats. They are in houses. my backyard, too, by the way. Oh, yes. <laughs> maybe they'll fly up and help us. <laughs> it could be. Any, go ahead. <laughs> but we, when we moved out there, uh, the first thing after we put the vines in, we put a bat box up. Mm-hmm. And so kind of our neighbors were like, okay, who are the freaks who have moved into the neighborhood? <laughs> Why are they attracting bats? Right. But they help with the insects. And yes. so I just thought it was normal to put up a bat house. And then um, after that, 
we were having some erosion problems out in the vineyard where it was on the steeper side and it's because you have to spray under the vines to keep the weeds down and the grass away from them. And so I was investigating what we could do to to kind of control that erosion and found in Europe, a lot of vineyards there use sheep in the vineyards. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I thought, well, we could reseed, you know, under that and put the sheep in then, and then we're not going to have to spray as much. But Jason, growing up on the cattle farm, I showed him a picture of these cute little sheep I uh-huh. found, and he immediately said, no way. Like, oh, we are no not sheep. getting sheep. <laughs> but they were super cute. And so <laughs> I figured, yes, I had to convince him how to do it. And so I just kind of scratched it out on paper. Look how much we're spending on, mm-hmm. you know, herbicide. Look how much time we're spending mowing in the vineyard. Look how mm-hmm. much the sheep would be. Look how much money we could save on it. So mm-hmm. I finally said, okay, you, you can try your sheep. You made the financial case. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I had lots of, of, you know, concerns at first. In my mind, the sheep would would tear up the vines and eat. And when we looked at looked at it, we realized, okay, sheep tend to um, like the uh, tender green material, mm-hmm. whereas a, a goat, for example, they like browsy, that's woody material. Uh, so a goat wouldn't work so well because they would probably damage the vine too much, mm-hmm. but the sheep tend to go for the green stuff. And so um, that worked well. She, you know, that was in her favor as well. I was like, but they'll eat the vines. You know, in California, it works great. It, there's no rain in the summer. There's no grass on the vineyard floor in the summer. They turn them in in the winter. We need them to eat during June and July. Right. And uh, she said, but look at our trellis. We have six-foot-tall trellis with the uh, the fruiting zone is up high. And they're little sheep. They can't reach the fruit, so they can coexist with the vines. And, mm-hmm. again, she was right. And so I would throw out some arguments, and she would throw out a <laughs> rebuttal. And uh, so eventually we, we got a dozen to try on a – I on won. A, yeah, <laughs> exactly. She won, and we tried it, and, it, and it's worked well. And, and I always joke about being a cattle guy growing up, and, you know, cattle guys and sheep guys used to not mm-hmm. get along too well. Um, and so, uh, but now I really enjoy it. I love still having livestock to take care of. And, mm-hmm. you know, now that we have kids and, um, you know, there's nothing better than taking care of the animals yeah. on the farm. Exactly. And, and you're promoting the environment too. I mean, it makes good economic sense, but you also, you know, people today, especially I think are tuned more into products that are, um, grown with a green philosophy behind them. And, uh, I'm sure you've probably heard from some of the people who drink your wine. That's one of the things that attracts them. Yeah. The that, way your farming methods. We, yeah. It was weird because when we did the sheep and then we saw success with the chicken or we added some chickens mm-hmm. after that to help us with pest control mm-hmm. and we put solar on the building and I still wasn't really thinking we were a green business. I was just thinking these are things we need to be doing. Sure. But then our customers were saying, Oh, you're the green winery. You do all this green stuff and I mean we were trying to kind of position ourselves as fun and mm-hmm. relaxing, but our customers were saying, no, you're green. And so yeah. we kind of changed how we were positioning mm-hmm. everything. You're the first green winery in Missouri, right? Or right. You were or you are. Or, yeah. yeah. Okay. So it's what I thought. I remember reading somewhere. Now, you were talking about how you won the argument on the sheep, and that just made me think. So, so what are your roles? How do you separate out what you do in the winery? Well, well Colleen's sort of our uh, the captain of the ship. She's our... our chief executive. Um, she's the brains of the operation. Mm-hmm. Um, keep from a business side, takes care of everything, business, financial, uh, reporting, government. Um, she's also got the best palate. So when it comes to uh-huh. winemaking, um, she's, we, we work together on every, we pretty much work together on everything, but you know, she's got her specialties and um, those things like that. And then when it comes to winemaking, she's got the palate. So we work together on determining what's 
what what tastes good, what we want to sell, what we want to produce. Um, she also, um, you know, even in the vineyard, we work together on managing the grapes. Um, but on a day-to-day basis, I've become more the the muscle, um, mm-hmm. making sure the vineyards, the stuff in the vineyards gets done when necessary. Um, I clean more tanks, so kind of the labor in the in mm-hmm. the winemaking. But again, it's a shared uh, shared role. But so she focuses on the business side, the accounting, and all that. And then now that we have tasting rooms and and selling wine. Um, I kind of manage the tasting room and the wine sales and, and some of the team in that way. So mm-hmm. we have to share, uh, you know, who's who's the first in line to, to answer the question, but we still work pretty close together yeah. on everything. Sounds like you have a good balance, just like a good bottle of wine, good balance. So. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to be talking a little bit more about how they determined that this hobby was now a business. You're listening to Smart Companies Radio on Blog Talk Radio. We'll be right back. As I went through school, one giant question loomed over me. What did I want to be? First, I had to decide what I wanted to make. I wanted to make more, so I became a teacher. Now I make learning a privilege, not a chore, and frustration a tool, not an obstacle. I make working hard seem easy, and giving up impossible. I'm a teacher. I make more. Find out how you can make more at teach.org. Make more. Teach. Brought to you by Teach and the Ad Council. Interested in growing your business? Thinking Bigger Business Media has the resources you need to grow your company to the next level. Whether it's an aspiring business, a startup, established, or mature, Thinking Bigger provides the how-to strategies, critical connections, and key information to make your business more productive and more profitable. Check us out at ithinkbigger.com and find out what successful Kansas City business owners already know. Thinking Bigger Business Media is the resource for growing your businesses. Visit us today at www.ithinkbigger.com. It takes 12 years to create a graduate. It takes about the same time to create a dropout. The difference between a child becoming one or the other could be you. Studies prove that reading to a child regularly dramatically improves reading skills. And kids who read well by third grade are four times as likely to graduate. So United Way is calling for one million volunteers over the next three years. We're asking you to step up, make a pledge, tutor a child who needs help, Mentor a kid who needs someone on their side. Volunteer to read to children. Make a difference. Because when a child advances, we all advance. Entire communities improve. The path to success or failure starts long before graduation day. And the difference between a graduate and a dropout could be you. Be a reader, tutor or mentor. Give, advocate, volunteer. Live United. Take the pledge. Go to liveunited.org now. Good morning. Welcome back to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. We're talking here this morning with uh, one of our Class of 2016 25 Under 25 winners, Colleen and Jason Gerke of Jowler Creek Vineyard and Winery. We've been talking about how you got started in your backgrounds and your green um, farming methods and so forth. And I want to know a little bit more about this hobby that got out of control. As you said, Colleen, you, you went up to Weston, found this beautiful piece of property, and thought grapes would look pretty on them. And then it, it just got worked. out of control. Yeah. yeah. So tell us about how it became a full-time business. Well, we started that first year with 250 vines. and Which sounds like a lot to me, but what do I know? It, it, did, yeah. it was like a half an acre, and it did keep us pretty busy, but 
we you know we got them to grow and had fun out there. So the next year, how many? Next year we planned like 500. 500 in more. addition. Oh, so yeah, seven fifty. Okay. And then the year after, we thought, well, five hundred worked. Then let's plant twelve hundred. <laughs> and then the year after, we planted more. So I see. I got out of control. Yeah. yeah. Several springs in a row. Uh-huh. Which then, of course, the first year's the easiest, and then after that, you have a lot of pruning, and so it did. Yeah. Kind of get out of control, but we were originally thinking. We were just going to grow the grapes and then sell them to another winery in the area. Mm-hmm. But Jason took um, a fast-track new venture course, and we started penciling out the costs of what you can get versus grapes versus making wine. Mm-hmm. And then I loved wine so much, I worked for um, a tasting room. I had a day job at John Deere, and on the weekends I'd work in a tasting room in Weston. Mm-hmm. And I thought, this is so much fun. Like, I like being with the customers and telling the story of the grapes why, or the wine. Why are we going to sell our grapes to somebody else mm-hmm. when we can make wine and sell it? So we actually converted um, the basement of our house into a bonded winery. <laughs> so we got all the permits because, like Jason said, we didn't have much money. So mm-hmm. um, we we did all the winemaking down there and then started selling to stores around Kansas City. And so on my lunch break at John Deere, we'd mm-hmm. knock on doors at Hy-Vee and different liquor stores and say, hey, we're a small winery. Would you be interested in selling our wine? And we got in quite a few stores. Um, but with the Internet, people figured out quickly where we were, where mm-hmm. we were making wine. So on mm-hmm. weekends, you'd see cars kind of pull up our driveway and then drive away or some would pull up <laughs> and then knock on the door and say, isn't this a winery? Do you make wine? Can we mm-hmm. taste wine down here? And so we were eventually getting quite a few people coming out on weekends. And so people would always ask, can I go downstairs and mm-hmm. try the wine? And so we ended up letting them into our basement to try the wine. Um, and about that time, it was picking up traffic on weekends. I was at John Deere, and they did a big um, merge with different divisions and offered a corporate buyout. Oh, wow. Good and timing. So, yeah, and I was pregnant with our second child, and I thought, if I'm ever going to try this and see if we can make it work, mm-hmm. I'll have a year's severance pay. Right. We can get a year to see if we can get it to go off the ground, and we did. Um, and what year was this? That was 2009, okay. fall of 2009. Mm-hmm. And so um, in 2010, we decided let's take the leap and put up a bigger building and actually get people out of our basement. Oh, yeah, especially with a family. You know, you've got little babies and you don't want everybody traipsing through your house. It, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty funny. We have um, folks coming back for tours and events and all the time people, I remember when uh-huh. the first time we came here, we were in your basement and you had the baby on your, the baby Bajorn on your belly and you'd come downstairs when we'd arrive. And so it's kind of funny to have that history in our, in our oh, story. Oh, definitely. It's all part of the story. Um, it's, it was interesting, um, you know, to not be creepy, to try to convince people to come to our tasting room because we opened uh, to the public in 2008, and uh, we'd put up little signs on our driveway, say, yes, this is a winery, and then the next <laughs> little sign would say, um, come around back, and it'd be worth the trip, and then we'd put a sign, if the dog barks, the tasting's free, because the dog always barks, and, <laughs> and so we tried to make it more fun and let people know uh-huh. it was okay to come around to the, to the walk-in basement of our house at that time, so um, it's always such a fun story when people come up and start telling, I remember when... Yeah, so you start in your basement, and you have people just spontaneously showing up on the weekends, wanting to come into your house, and now you have, well, like you said, you opened a a separate space, and now you've got a really good-sized tasting room, right? You've expanded. Yeah, we, um, when we got out of the house, 
we thought, oh, we're going to build this big, huge winery. We're going to have this tasting room and all this space inside where we can do events and then make the wine and store the wine there. But quickly we saw we needed a lot more space. And so I think two years after we'd moved into the new building, we were so cramped. So we ended up taking out all our cases of wine, everything that was in the bottle, and at least some space in Parkville in the Mm -hmm. caves to store it down there. Sure. Um, And then this past fall, we expanded again just so we could get Mm -hmm. out of the caves and have some additional space. Mm -hmm. So. But this weekend it was pretty busy, and again we. Well, with Mother's Day weekend, I bet it was. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us about the events that you host there. We do a lot of great things. Um, Everything from music events. We have a lot of live music on the weekends. Um, We do um, wine and craft nights. We call them our Women Who Wine nights. Mm -hmm. Um, We have uh, tasting events, of course, all through the year. We have different tasting events like our. Uh, unique things like Halloween candy pairing. Oh, wow. Um, of course, we had a you know, chocolate pairing for Mother's Day. Of course. Um, we do a Thanksgiving, uh, mm-hmm. a traditional Thanksgiving meal pairing. So you can get a plate of traditional turkey dressing, all, this, all the fixings to have with, your, with our wine and try which one you'd like for your Thanksgiving dinner. So those are always fun. Um, we started doing movies in the vineyard one night a month. Oh, so you really? can sit out under the stars and watch movies on a big Insect screen. Insect-free because all your bats are taking care <laughs> of the stars, right? right? Nice some bats. <laughs> That's right. Um, what else am I missing? We got. We always have so many events. We do uh, farm-to-table dinners mm-hmm. uh, different times of the year. And Do um, you work with some of the other uh, food producers uh, around here to coordinate some of the events, like your farm-to-table, for example? We have a local chef mm-hmm. um, that helps us with uh, some of those and source as much of the products from all the, the local CSAs and local farmers, so the chicken, the vegetables, the greens, and um, even the topiaries in the middle of the table are roadside flowers that, that, that get gathered by some mm-hmm. of our, one of our neighbor friends that help us with that. And, um, and then some of the meals, Colleen and I, I help Colleen. She's the, uh, the chef, head chef on that, but we, we cook some of those as well. Mm-hmm. Now, what do you do in terms of uh, publicizing this? Do you have a newsletter that people can sign up for? Because you've got so much going on. Uh, how do people find out about these things? Yeah, we have a newsletter um, and then a website, and then we're on Twitter and Facebook and mm-hmm. all the social media, so we yeah. try and push it out that way. Yeah, too. I'm sure you have a big fan following. If anybody wanted to get your newsletter to uh, keep track of this, especially with summer coming up, um, how, do they just go out to the website and sign up for it? Yep, there's a sign-up on okay. our website. And your website is? It's jowlercreek.com with no space, so J-O-W-L-E-R-C-R-E-E-K.com. Mm-hmm. And then there is a, a menu item where you click on to, to sign up and stay in touch. And, of course, you can follow us on Facebook as well. We stay very active on a daily basis there to keep everyone up to date on what's coming up. Mm-hmm. Now, you obviously had uh, uh, some training and some um, at a, your uh, college education. You took some winemaking classes, and you have an agricultural background. Where did you get the – I mean, you make it sound so much, like so much fun, but this is very labor-intensive. And it also um, can be very financially uh, draining. I, I heard people out in California that I know say, oh, in order to make a million dollars in the wine business, you have to have $10 million. Yeah. 
And so there's a whole business side of this too. And what have you turned to for, um, you know, to get your business acumen? Has it just been, you just follow you, what your gut or have you had some formal business training? What have you well, done in that regard? Both of us grew up um, doing 4-H and FFA. Mm-hmm. So you keep record books okay. there. And we had different projects like, you know, raising an animal for the fair and, you figure out how much you spend on feed and then how much you sell the animal for, and you easily see, did I make a profit? So okay. I think we both had kind of in the back of our heads how mm-hmm. to have a profitable business. But, you know, we started very small. We didn't just build a huge tasting room right away and hope people came to us. We started in our basement mm-hmm. and took it step by step. Um, and I think... I'm I'm a pretty detail-oriented person, so I was always watching where we were with the books. And then once I quit, kind of penciled out uh, when Jason would be able to quit his day job. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of a leap of faith. Um, yeah. You know, I penciled out where we needed to be sales-wise, and um, our goal was let's get through July and make sure we're meeting our numbers for July but then I had a total leap of faith and was just stressed one day pruning and <laughs> called him and said, no, you know what? We've hit our goals this first quarter. Turn your letter in today and get back home and help me prune. <laughs> so there's a little bit of, bit of faith we had to have when mm-hmm. we took those jumps, too. Sure. But Calculated risk. Yes, that's exactly. a better way of saying it. So uh, you mentioned Fast Track. You mentioned that you went through, because there's a lot of resources here mm-hmm. in Kansas City, and so that, I assume, was very helpful, too, in Plan, Def, doing some of your planning. Definitely. The the fast track that I went through was great. And so then Colleen followed up with um, a second level. Fast, tra- fast track growth venture. Mm-hmm. And so both of those helped us along the way. And then you, you and followed then, up with. And then scale oh, up. Oh, sure. Yes, you're part of that huge, program. Yes, mm-hmm. um, which is put on um, in Kansas City. And so I was in the first inaugural class of scale up. And that was great. Just we got to work with different businesses in Kansas City, mm-hmm. the roundtables as a part of it. And then every week, a different speaker would come in. And we had some great coaches. And so that really, I think in that class is when we decided to take this next leap and expand uh-huh. our winery. And I just got the confidence in the scale-up program that we were making the right move to do that. Yeah, sometimes I think um, business owners have to understand that you can be too conservative, that if you make a little bit of a bigger investment than you originally planned, your sales, I mean, you have to figure it all out, but that you can't be stupid about it, but sometimes you do just have to take that risk, and uh, it turns out that your sales increased because you did it. Yeah, definitely. I was was definitely in that conservative category. Mm -hmm. I was so proud. You know, we don't have any debt. We've paid for all this we've gone and now we're going to incur some debt um, but definitely seen the numbers since we've increased mm-hmm. our capacity sure. is, is where, do you, where do you go from here well we 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 um, opened a second winery in Weston Missouri um, called Weston Wine Company and so not only do we have our Jowler Creek brand and our Jowler Creek events we have a second winery uh, with all different wines a whole different brand and so it allows us to expand our business model and uh, sell more wine, but um, um, gain, have some efficiencies of, mm-hmm. of, of, you know, to, you know, we have the equipment to make wine for Jolly Creek. We can also work and, and uh, promote Western Wine Company and, and develop the wine for that. So 
that's one mode of expansion. Um, and then the next, the next thing I think is just increasing those events and create increasing uh, the opportunities for people to enjoy our wines mm-hmm. at our Jowler Creek facility, whether it's uh, through increased use of our space for rehearsal dinners or weddings mm-hmm. or special events. Um, and then we want to expand our footprint and, and make our wine available to anyone that would like to get a hold of it here in the Midwest region, whether it's in Kansas, Missouri. And if we're looking towards the horizon, we're looking at maybe, you know, Nebraska, Iowa, Arkansas, just expanding mm-hmm. our footprint. Absolutely. Well, best of luck to you on all of that. And congratulations again on the 25 Under 25 Award. Thanks so much. And be sure if you want to get uh, signed up to their newsletter or find out about any of their events or their different wines, go out to JowlerCreek.com and you can find everything there. And if you'd like to learn more about how to grow your business, please visit our website at IThinkBigger.com. Follow us on Facebook, Thinking Bigger Business Media, or on Twitter at IThinkBigger. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.